Hands on with Peter Garfinkel, the home improvement show that keeps you in the know on how to maintain, renovate, or even rebuild your home. Get ready to be informed, educated, and inspired. And now, here's your host, licensed realtor, New Jersey State public adjuster, and licensed home improvement contractor, Peter Garfinkel. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Hands On. I'm your host, Peter Garfinkel, and we are the Complete Home Show, where no topic is left uncovered. If it relates to you, your home, and the relationship between you and your home, we'll get into it. Our goal here at Hands On is to bring you the very best program we can each and every Saturday morning so you can make well-informed decisions and smart choices about your home and life in your home. And good morning, everybody. It's great to be here live this Saturday with you. Um, we're taking calls during the show. Our number is one 2999 And you can um, take a look at my website, thehandsonshow.com, spelled out as one word. And you can write me at hands-on at NYC Radio. And you can tell me about what you're working on in your home, what kind of projects you're doing, and so forth. And we do a little food segment called What's Cooking. And if you have food-slash-kitchen questions, you can write me about those as well. And um, there's no reason for not listening to us because the show is streamed through the AM970 website. So you can rehear any part of the show you wish or listen to older shows from a podcast as well that's on the website. And, uh, and that's it. So, oh, and I do want to tell you that, like I did on my smartphone, you can download our new AM970 app. So you could take AM970 with you wherever you go and... Then you could listen to us on the weekends through your phone and have no excuse for not listening to the show. But anyways, folks, um, we start off usually with our What's Cooking Food segment. We're not going to do it the traditional way this morning because it's grilling time, folks. And I'm going to be your guest for the What's Cooking Food segment because I do want to talk about grilling um, and more or less the hardware aspect of grilling. That is your gas grill. Um, and gas grills don't wear out. They deteriorate. Parts rust, parts rot. They get full of grease and goop. But they don't really um, deteriorate to the point where they can't be repaired. In fact, you know, there is any gas grill can be reconditioned and restored to an as-new condition for pretty much a fraction of the cost of a new grill. And, um, and that's really because every part on the grill can be replaced. It, your gas grill is nothing but an assembly of parts. Like your car, it's just far less parts, you know, so uh, it's a much simpler piece of equipment. But really, every part of your grill can be replaced, restored, or repainted at a pretty, um, in a cost-effective way. And then you can renew the life in your grill and get many more years out of it. It is kind of funny. Sometimes I'll drive up or down my street or other streets in the neighborhood, and I'll see people tossing out these gas grills. And they paid a lot of money for them. Some of them will be premium-type grills. And I'll look at them, and, and if I had time, I'd take them and take them out of there. I wouldn't be a trash picker, but I'd take them and restore them because you can easily restore a gas grill. Um, there are basically three things that have to be dealt with in the restoration of your gas grill. You have to clean the grease and grime off the grill after you cook for years on it. It builds up a coating of goop from the cooking. That has to be cleaned. You have to repaint 
Um, the oxidized or faded parts with high temp paint, meaning the top of the grill and the inside. And if you use the right type of paint and do it the right way, it'll work. And then you have to replace the worn out parts and, um, you know, and, and have new parts that work effectively. And, and the parts are easy to find. You can go to a grill center or a place that sells grills where they sell parts or a home center. But the parts are readily available. You may not find the exact identical part that you need to a T, but there will be replacement parts for you. And um, there are companies that make them, so they are available. And the first thing you want to do in restoring your uh, gas grill to um, an as-new condition is remove the cooking grate and um, the rock grate. And the cooking grate really is the grill, the top part that you cook on. So take that out. That will expose your lava rocks and, and, uh, or, or the ceramic uh, briquettes that you have underneath. Take them out uh, after, uh, get a bucket, put some hot water in it, and as you take the lava rocks out or whatever kind of phony briquettes you have, put them in the water. It's just a good thing. It starts the process of, of cleaning them up. And um, if they're old and impregnated with a lot of grease and you have specifically lava rocks, not the ceramic type, um, they will deteriorate and fall apart once the grease gets in there and they've been reheated over uh, many times as you've cooked. So if they're over a year old and you, you can feel them, if they're soft and they start to crumble, then they're no good. Throw them out and buy new ones. Um, the, the rock grate holds the lava rocks or the briquettes above the burner. That's the part that the lava rocks sit on. Usually it's double-sided. It has alternating slots. Yours may not. It might just be one rack. In any event, that can be replaced too. So if that's rusted or peeling or coming apart, um, get a new one. And um, underneath the rock grate, and uh, there will be the burner and a flame spreader. Um, the burner is the part that the gas passes through and the flames come out of. Um, that will have to be pulled out and removed too as well. And that has typically a top over it called the flame spreader. It almost has a pitch like the roof of a house. So if that's rusted or deteriorated uh, to a point where you see it's really just crumbling or coming apart, the metal's corroding, then, then replace that part as well. Um, and, and check the igniter. That would be the second thing. So the first thing is removing the cooking grate and the rock grate. Okay, you want to do that. You want to expose your burners. You want to look and see if the burners are in good shape or the burner, if it's a single burner grill. And um, if not, replace that, like I said. Then check the igniter. That's the thing that's the self-lighting uh, device that makes the spark. Usually there's a red button on the front of your grill. You turn on the gas, you push this red button uh, with the gas on and your flame is ignited. The gas is ignited and your flame comes out of the holes in the burner and you're in good cooking shape that way. But the igniter after time can corrode. Um, it has this little tip inside, a little like one inch square, three sided or, or let's see, one, two, three, five sided lean to type box. And if you click the button and you don't see a little spark on the tip of the igniter, you'll need a new, a new igniter. You'll have to replace it. So buy that. Um, don't install the parts until you completely restore the grill housing itself, meaning that's the black metal case, the thing that looks like the trunk that it all sits in. So get your parts, have them on the side, have them ready. 
Um, you've removed and cleaned the burner assembly now. You've gotten all your new parts. You've got a new grill if you need it. You know, the cooking top, great. You've got a new grate to hold your briquettes if, if needed. And now what you want to do is clean the grill. You want to get a eh, two-inch putty knife and some, I use driveway cleaner, believe it or not, because it's not caustic, extremely caustic anyways. I do wear rubber gloves and do wear your safety gear, wear your eye, eye protection. And um, take the driveway cleaner, mix it with some water, and, um, and then use that, coat the, the grease with that, because I found driveway cleaner really works effectively for a bunch of things, but cleaning grease off my grill is one of them. I guess it cleans the grease and oil off of driveways pretty effectively. It is very good in helping to clean a gas grill. And take your scraper, scrape the goop off, wash it down. You might want to use steel wool or a good stiff brush. You know, scrub all the grease and everything off the grill. Then, then the, uh, the housing of the grill. Then what you're going to want to do is spray paint it black again. And to do that, you're going to want to use high heat black paint, which is quite effective. Uh, it can last for a long time. And the paint may need a primer. Look at the label or ask your retailer if that particular paint that you're looking at needs a primer. Um, some of these high heat paints say no primer required. You mist on a first coat, let it dry with the spray paint, and then you paint the second, you know, you apply the second coat as a finished coat, maybe even a, another coat if needed. So you're going to want to paint it up and put it back together. So scrape off all the grease, like I said, mist on your first coat of black, high heat paint or heat resistant paint. And again, if primer is required, prime it first, then two coats of finished paint. And then reassemble everything, put it all back together. Make, you know, you put the igniter in first. There may be a set screw or a clip or something that holds that in. So you're going to want to make sure that you install that as according to the directions of the part you have. So it doesn't wiggle or move around and it stays in its correct position. After that, you're going to want to put back in your burner your, or burners, depending on how many you have. Um, I will make this comment. If you're reusing the burners that you have and the holes uh, where the flame come out look like they are tiny uh, and they're filled with grease, you might want to open each hole again. And what I use for that is I get a heavy paper clip or a piece of wire and I just, or you can get a nail or something, but what you want to do is poke the grease through the holes and, and just open the holes up to the to their original size, which conformed to the original manufacturer's specifications so that you get the flame that you need. If your flame's too low and too small and the holes are clogged, then you're not gonna have a very good time cooking. So you do wanna make sure that the flame comes through those holes and is not obstructed in any way or shelf, any way, shape or form. Um, so you're gonna do that. Uh, you're going to clean that up. Then you're going to reinstall that. Then on top of that burner, um, you're going to put back in the cooking grate and the lava rocks on top and your grill on top. And folks, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. You're listening to Hands On with Peter Garfinkel. 
Right now, we're all asking the same question. Who will Donald Trump choose as his vice president? AM 970 The Answer is giving $500 to the listener who guesses correctly in our Veep Stakes contest. To enter, go to am970theanswer.com and submit your guess by July 21st. The winner will be drawn from all correct entries. If Trump makes his announcement before July 21st, the contest ends immediately and the winner will be chosen from all previous entries. Go to am970theanswer.com and tell us who you think will be Trump's VP today. That's am970theanswer.com. Hey, did you hear the big news? Julie redid the floors in her kitchen. They are gorgeous. All Italian porcelain. Julie told me she was on a budget. Are you sure? Actually, Wayne Tile created an outlet center. It's behind their flagship store off of Route 23 on Doig Road. They have crazy low prices on incredible tile every day. Where's that outlet center? It's off of Route 23 on Doig Road. Where are you going? I'm going to see Wayne about some tile. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. It's probably been about 10 years ago. I had quite a few credit cards. The interest on the cards was really high. I was making the minimum payments, but barely. And it was just getting to be too much, so I called Trinity. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976 to talk to a certified counselor. They met with me, and they were able to get all of my credit cards in one lower payment. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, put a stop to late fees and over-limit charges, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. They did help me learn how to manage my money. Now, you know, we have a house, and we're doing a lot better. If your debt has you down, call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. My name is Holly, and I am debt-free for keeps. 1-800-990-6976. Okay, folks, we're back. This is Hands On with Peter Garfinkel. And we're talking about cleaning up your gas grill and giving it new life because this is grilling season. Um, I just want to finish up the segment there by uh, saying that after you put the grill back together and the briquettes are in and your cooking grates on top, start it up, test it, and make sure it works. And the last thing I want to tell you very quickly is one of the most useful tools in cooking on a gas grill is a meat thermometer, at least it is for me. And very quickly, I'll tell you one of the uh, things that I enjoy making on my gas grill is a pork loin. What I do is I cook it on the grill on the outside first. In other words, I open my grill, I turn the flame on high, I take this pork loin, I coat it with marmalade or something sweet, I throw it on the gas grill, and I sear the outside, almost burning it, but not really burning it, but searing it and cooking it well. After it's seared, I take a sheet of aluminum foil, I put it on the grill, I turn the grill down to a low temperature. I then put my pork loin on the grill, and I put it on a medium heat, and I close the top. And after 15 minutes of medium heat and cooking, I put the meat thermometer into the center of it, and when it hits 145 degrees, I take it off. And I guarantee if you use the meat thermometer to cook your pork loin, you will have a perfect pork loin. It won't be dry every time. And that's the What's Cooking segment for today. But really, folks, if the gas grill is not working properly, you do have problems cooking, uh, and, and, and it can become a real headache for you. And um, moving along, we have a guest today. I met this guest at the International Franchise Show um, about a month ago or a few weeks ago. He's quite an interesting person. And he has a uh, great business. His name is Brad Fluke. Brad, good morning. How are you today? 
Good morning, Peter. I'm doing very well. Look forward to being here. Well, thank you, and thanks for getting up early and being with us. I know it's not the most fun in the world, but, uh, you know, it works, and we're here and ready to go. And I, I really asked you to join us this morning because your business has a great name. It really is a grabber. It's called Honeydew Service, Inc., and I know that my wife always has a bunch of things for me to do, and it's on that traditional or well-known honeydew list. So, um, but before we get started, could you just give the information, uh, give the listeners a little bit of information how you came to uh, being in this business and what you really do? My pleasure. And I tell you, I've always been in the construction industry all my life, 52 years old today, and the first half oh, of my life. Yes, the first half I was in that commercial industry where I was out chasing jobs. I wasn't at home. I was watching my kids grow without me. And I made a conscious effort to get more into the residential side of the market. So being able to use all the things I had learned going through an apprentice program and being able to use that in someone's house, mainly for a selfish act because I wanted to stay at home every night. <laughs> so uh, 15 years into a residential and we've learned a lot. Right, right. I'm sure you have. Um, and and the way you've developed your business that you are franchising, the real reason I wanted you to be on is because we do have a lot of people that listen that are handy. And some of them are looking for new career paths. And this is something that could be of interest to them. And you do franchise this business. You you are that is basically your job. Is that correct? Yes, I uh, have matured along the way to where I am able to take all the experience I have and apply it with other people that want to be a general contractor in remodeling and help them understand the nuances of what that truly means so that they can have that same passion in their business that we've had over the years. Yeah, and, and I think it's that passion that you have that drives the whole thing. And I know that if I wasn't passionate about what I do, I wouldn't be successful because I know that it is the passion that does motivate me, that does push me. Of course, not every day is perfect, but, you know, overall, I really love what I do. And and when you have franchisees, uh, so they buy your franchise, they're in business, you support them. Do you give them extra training? I mean, what do you do in that sense? Well, I tell you, that's the whole reason the franchise industry is able to thrive and why people get involved in a brand that is national is because of that support and that training. You are in business for yourself, but you're not alone. We've got people here that will help them with their bookkeeping, the daily operations, the sales, the marketing, the customer service, how to find the right employees that fit, that you can be proud of. And I'll tell you one of the biggest things I'm proud of is how once we find these craftsmen, how do we keep them on our team to absolutely to support? You know, in franchising, uh, the companies will pay a royalty. It's typically less than a sales tax. And what they're getting in return is all those nuances that the average contractor has to go out and pay a lot of money for. So if anything, it makes them more competitive in the marketplace because they don't have an additional cost for a website, for an accountant, for a sales team, marketing team, things of that nature. Right, and, and I think that's pretty cool. And, and basically, when someone takes on your franchise or becomes a franchisee, they're then able to offer a full range of services. And the services are electrical, plumbing, painting, siding, concrete, and brick. And what else do you do? What other services do they offer? You know, it's designed to say yes 
to whatever the homeowner has on that honeydew list. If it's housekeeping, it's lawn mowing, all the way up to build a full man cave. So everything in between that carpenters, electricians, and plumbers may uh, have the skill set to apply to a home. So everything in between there, roofing, doors, windows, siding, you name it. Okay, so so really, you're basically at the risk of sounding almost cliche. You're a one-stop shop, a one-shop stop for people. Absolutely. Yeah. Each one of our owners carry a general contractor's license, which is probably more than they need. But we want to be prepared for those bigger jobs that come our way, also. Right, and they're also uh, EPA-led certified, I would imagine. Absolutely. You know, the EPA has uh, started with the big dogs, and they pretty much got a good handle on them. So now in today's market, they're going after that remodeling contractor. And then, you know, for good reason, the lead paint can be dangerous. So one of the things that we are helping our owners with is understanding what the processes are, get them certified renovators. But, you know, it's not as scary as what homeowners somewhat think of. Yes, lead paint can be bad, but a quality contractor is going to clean that up anyway. So it should not add a high burden of cost to a job if you're working with a quality contractor in the first place. No, I totally agreed because you want to remedy a negative situation before you start to re- to renovate anything to begin with. I mean, in terms of just job prep and getting ready to do the work that you're hired to do as a contractor, you're going to have to get rid of loose and peeling paint, for example, and that could be lead paint if it's before 1972, so, uh, I mean, 1978. So, you know, the fact that your guys are all licensed and your franchisees know about this is a real bonus for the homeowner. Absolutely. I would think. And, uh, Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and you say no job is too small, we do it all. And, and I think that kind of sums up what you do, yet at the same time you take as much care in doing the larger jobs as you do with the smaller jobs. You know, can you comment on that? Yes, we do. We are designed to come out and do a fix a leaky faucet all the way to doing the complete kitchen remodel. And what we've found is that small job market allows us to build a relationship with the homeowner. A lot of homeowners have had the opportunity to use a handyman on some level. And the reason they don't continue to use that fella is he just wasn't comfortable in their home. This is the privacy. Our kids, our dogs, our personal belongings are in our home. It's our number one investment. So inviting someone back to your house is something that uh, homeowners are very cautious of. Once they've met a Honeydew employee, drug screen, background, uniform, on time, professional about being in your home, we are running on about a 32% repeat client base, which I find absolutely amazing because people do not remodel every year. So very proud of the work being done. You know, you're absolutely right because to generate recurring revenue in a contracting business isn't easy because, like you said, people don't do their kitchen once every three years. They don't renovate a bathroom every 24 months. You know, but they do buy curtain rods that have to be put up this month. And they do buy, you know, they do buy hooks for paintings and pictures that have to get put up. And if you figured out a way to combine small jobs in a cost-effective way that generates margin for the franchisees, you're going to be busy every day. You really will. It's just amazing how much there is to do in our communities. Oh, oh, I, I tell you, the fact, Brad, that you, you're, you're, 
your franchisees will go out and do small jobs is really critical because that is the toughest, I guess, aspect of what homeowners need, you know, and, and can't find people to do. It's very difficult to get people in to do smaller jobs. But the fact that you run a business that, that started or focused around doing the jobs that nobody else wanted to do gives you a tremendous edge. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it yes. really does. Um, Brad, why don't you give out your contact information in case anybody wants to reach you? We are at 866-HONEYDOO or 866-466-3936. And you can find us online at yourhoneydew.com. And what's the official name of your business? Could you give that to the folks? The Honeydew Service Incorporated has been registered, trademarked, and protected for all of our franchisees' use. All right, Brad Fluke. Well, thanks for being on with us. I know it was a short time. Maybe you'll come back and we could talk a little bit more. Would that be all right? That would be great. Love to, Peter. All right. Well, thanks for being with us. I really appreciate it, and uh, we'll be in touch. Thanks. Thanks, Peter. Have a great day. All righty. That was Brad Fluke, our guest from the Honeydew Service, Inc. What a name. It's really a great name. And, folks, we're live. We're taking calls. Our number is one 877 This is Hands On with Peter Garfinkel. You can write me at handson at nycradio.com. You can take a look at my website, thehandsonshow.com, spelled out as one word. And you can download our new AM970 app and take us with you wherever you go, right on your phone. And um, the show is streamed, and there are podcasts for your listening pleasure available should you need to rehear some part of the show. And we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. News, opinion, passion. This is AM 970, The Answer. 68 and skies are cloudy. We could see showers and thunderstorms throughout the course of the day, going up to about 80. But tomorrow should be a nicer day, featuring a mix of sun and clouds and less humidity. Good morning. What's going on? We have the answer. The Ocean County Sheriff's Department continues investigating a police-involved shooting in South Jersey. This happened late Thursday night on Haynes Road in Toms River, sending an Ocean County man to the hospital. Police say that 29-year-old Timothy Sowers pulled a gun on three Toms River police officers as they approached his vehicle. The incident triggered a search on land and in the air before Sowers was eventually captured. NYPD preparing for more people protesting this weekend the recent police shooting deaths of black men in Minnesota and Louisiana. Mayor de Blasio says police will instruct protesters on what's appropriate to do and where to be. Oh, we do not want to see uh, anything that would create a harm to anyone. We do not want to see uh, traffic delayed more than it has to be. So there's going to be clear, clear lines. And the protesters need to be very clear about the fact that once the police warn them that they are subject to arrest. Chief of Department James O'Neill would not get into detail, but he does say the NYPD adjusts their tactics depending on what police see. He says they are adding staff this weekend following dozens of arrests from protests on Thursday night. Scott Pringle, New York. The presidential candidates are also weighing in on the Dallas sniper incident that killed five police officers on Thursday night. Donald Trump says that America must come together as one so that everyone, especially our children, can feel safe. Now is the time for prayers, love, unity, and leadership. Our children deserve a better future than what we're making them live through today. Hillary Clinton, meanwhile, called for unity following the Dallas sniper attack while speaking at a church conference in Philadelphia. In sports, the Mets and the Yankees both lost. I'm Chris Marrar on AM 970, The Answer. 
There's something new at Wilner Chemists. You already know that Wilner Chemists is the place to go for nutritional supplements, professional advice, a huge selection, discount prices on vitamins and homeopathic products. So what's new there? Well, Wilner's has expanded its health and beauty section, bringing you natural skincare, anti-aging products, and essential oils, all with a professional staff to assist you with any questions you may have. Come in and visit the new expanded Wilner Chemists health and beauty section. And for the next few weeks only, if you go in and mention AM970, you'll get a free sample. Stay young, look young the healthy way externally and internally at Wilner Chemists at 100 Park Avenue at 41st and Park, right next to Grand Central Terminal in Manhattan. Stop in or give them a call, 800-633-1106. 800-633-1106. Wilner Chemists, the nutritional supplement professionals since 1911. Are you looking for a radio show that gives you straight talk, common sense, and the facts? Are you looking for a media outlet which offers all points of view? If the answer is yes, then listen to the Cats Roundtable every Sunday morning starting at 8.30 right here on AM 970, The Answer. The Cats Roundtable is hosted by John Katsimatidis, a successful businessman who came to this country as an immigrant and built a multi-billion dollar business empire. He's met presidents, world leaders, governors, mayors, congressmen, state legislators, and you'll hear them all on the Cats Roundtable. Republicans, Democrats, independents, conservatives, liberals, and everything else you can imagine. You won't just hear their take on the news. You'll hear them make the news. Whether it's local, national news, or international news. You can read about it in the newspaper on Monday, but hear it first on the Cats Roundtable. Sunday mornings at 8.30, right after Murano in the morning. Only on AM 970, The Answer. And folks, we're back. This is Hands On with Peter Garfinkel, and we are live this morning. And you can call us. Our number is one 877 And we happen to have a caller on the line right now, Catherine from Ridgewood, New Jersey. Good morning, Catherine. Good morning, Peter. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Catherine, what's on your mind today on this well, nice Well, I'm day? inspired by your honeydew specialist. Because <laughs> one of the things I often ask my honey to do yes. is to do spot painting. You know, like a, you're moving furniture and a piece of furniture hits into a wall or something spills. And there's always little places where you need to spot paint. But when we spot paint, it's so obvious. And so what we do is we don't do that until you end up painting the whole wall, which means you're living with these little nicks and stuff for the longest time. How do you spot paint so that it blends in, so that you don't notice it? Well, I would say this. If you've painted the room and it's less, and you've painted it, let's say, not more than two years, you know, you're not more than two years into a paint job and you have leftover paint, that paint should match pretty, pretty easily. However, if it's longer than a couple of years or a few years, the paint color can change. It can oxidize. It can fade. Light can affect it and so forth. And then if there's, then to, to actually match the color becomes a little bit more challenging, but not impossible. What you can do is a couple things. You can take a piece of the color paint right off the wall by cutting a small either piece of sheetrock out of the wall, a one-inch square or two-inch square, or if it's plaster, you can find a, a spot that's maybe like you're going to touch up. 
that was behind the couch or a spot where the color is the primary color in the wall. Take a little piece of that plaster out, break it out of the wall, take a little chisel, chisel out a small little two-inch square, and bring it to your paint store because today what the paint stores can do due to technology that they couldn't do years ago is they can scan the color if you bring it to them that you want to match, and they can create a perfect match. I have spot painted and touched up ceilings where I've cut out a small piece of plaster. I've, and, and it's not difficult. It sounds like it's a, it's a big job, but it's really not. You can do it with a utility knife, a screwdriver, or a chisel. Uh, so long as you get a piece of that paint that you want to match that's a couple inches, you know, all around. And if you do bring it to your local paint store, they can match the color, and it will match perfectly. And that's what I've done, and it works every time. So the, the answer is more in matching the paint color rather than any kind of painting technique, I guess is what you're saying, right? It's, oh, yes, because the paint color changes over time. Got it. So it really works, and, um, and that's about it. Okay, so, well, we got to get to work then, so thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you for calling, and thanks for listening, and have a great rest of the weekend. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. And, folks, uh, you're listening to Hands On with Peter Garfinkel. We take calls here. Our number is one 970 And what I want to talk about now it relates to painting and relates to our call a little bit. I want to talk about wall repairs because every week I get emails from you guys um, asking about fixing cracks primarily. I don't know why, but that's one of the most popular subjects uh, that I get emails on, and I've had live calls regarding cracks and so forth. So I just wanted to talk about fixing cracks in walls, and particularly fixing cracks in plaster walls, because um, we live in an area where there are a lot of older homes, uh, the ho housing stock is older, and a great many of the homes have plaster walls. Um, their newer homes all have sheetrock walls, but there are many with, with plaster walls. And what happens in homes with plaster walls and settling after a while is they develop hairline cracks, and these hairline cracks come back, it seems like, every year that you paint. So you can have a hairline crack, you can do whatever you do to get rid of it, then you can paint the wall, and in another year you'll have a, the crack will come back. So here's a surefire way to get rid of that crack. What you do is you take your utility knife um, and you create a V in, inside that crack. In other words, you cut the crack open. You make it wider. You dig it out with your knife, creating a V from the front to the back inside of the crack. And do that. And then what you want to do is um, vacuum out the crack and you want to fill it with something. Well, what do you fill it with? You fill it with um, basically patching plaster or a quick-drying drywall compound. Now, if you go to a home center or your paint store, you'll see they have uh, joint cement. That's basically compound that you use for taping, uh, sheetrock. That can be used as a patching material. But aside from that ready-mixed product, drywall compound comes in bags um, as a dry powder. And you will see on the front of it will say, 20 minutes, 45 minutes, 60 minutes. That's the drying time given to those particular products. So certain water-mixable drywall compound will dry in 20 minutes, the, and, and whatever it says on the bag. Some dry in 45 and some dry in 60. Those products tend to have or be harder to the touch than the ready-mix product. Why? I don't know, but that's, <clears throat> pardon me, just the way it's made. And I use this 20-minute drywall 
uh, compound or patching plaster, which is a powder, again, that you mix with water to fill my hairline cracks. So I dig them out with my utility knife, trying to create a V from the outside to the inside of the crack. And then I take this drywall compound or patching plaster with a putty knife, usually a a two and a half to four inch putty knife, and I smooth over the cracks with the compound. <clears throat> and I, I force it in, and um, I push it in, and I let it dry, and I sand it smooth. But the real trick for me is what I do is I dig out the crack, then I vacuum it, okay, getting out all the loose dust particles. So whatever I push into that crack to fill it, it hears very well. But here's my contractor trick. I take a spray bottle like, you know, that you might have used for a window cleaner or whatever, and I put some water in it. So I dig out the crack, vacuum the crack, then I take the spray bottle and I mist water over the crack. If the crack stretches from the top of the wall to the floor, I spray the whole crack. And I don't let the, let the water dry thoroughly and completely. What I do is I let it like get soaked into the plaster. And then what I do is I take my filler, my compound or my patching plaster, and then I patch the crack after having sprayed that water. Why? Because that water that gets in that crack that I've sprayed with my spray bottle slows the drying time a speck, but also gives me better adhesion between the, the surface of the crack and the material I'm applying, okay? And so I get a, a better patch. And uh, that's what I found over time to really work effectively. And so that's how I do hairline cracks. Um, and it works. It really works for a larger. And, and what is a hairline crack? Let's define that, too, so you know. Um, this is Hands On with Peter Garfinkel, by the way. And we're taking calls. Our number is one 2999 but, but a hairline crack can be defined as a crack, um, I guess, you could say it's a quarter inch wide or less. And maybe even a little bit less than a quarter because a quarter is kind of large, a quarter of an inch for a hairline crack because a hairline crack is supposed to look like a hair. But, but I, after it's a quarter of an inch wide, I use a different technique. So up to a quarter of an inch, I'll do exactly what I just told you with the spray bottle and, and the water and the, the compound and the patching plaster. But when the crack is larger, okay, I want to make a, a reinforced repair so that that filler stays in that crack better and, and in a stronger way with more structural integrity, if you, if you wish. And what I do is I take my utility knife for that crack that's, let's say, a quarter of an inch to three quarters of an inch, okay? We'll break them into sizes. Um, if I have a crack that's three quarters of an inch or less, down to a quarter, what I do is... I use fiberglass mesh tape and I fill the hole. What is fiberglass mesh tape? Well, when you use joint cement and you do drywall work, you have to tape the joints where the drywall comes together. And they have to be taped, not taped with masking tape, but what you typically do where two pieces of sheetrock come together is put compound over the crack and put a paper tape on top of that, which is two inches wide, and then another couple coats of joint cement compound over it, sanding them smooth, and then you have a flush, perfect wall. Well, you don't have to use paper tape to tape the joints. There's other tape that is made, and there's what they call fiberglass mesh tape. And it looks like a screen, okay? 
has the same size slots or openings as a screen on your screen door or window. And this fiberglass mesh tape is very nice because it's slightly tacky. So if you use paper tape to, to, to uh, cover a joint between two pieces of sheetrock, you have to put compound over the crack first, then the paper tape, then more compound. With fiberglass mesh tape, being that it's slightly tacky, you do not have to put that first coat of, of joint compound over the joint. You just take the tape and spread it over because it's slightly tacky, and then you cover it with the joint cement. So I like the fiberglass mesh tape because it's slightly tacky and eliminates one coat of joint compound. So I use that fiberglass mesh tape that I would use for joint repairs, and I roll it into uh, a long ball. What do I do? I basically cut it into, eh, let's say, 12-inch strips, and I roll it the long way, not the short way, as it comes off the roll of mesh tape, but in the opposite direction. And I stuff that fiberglass mesh tape that looks like a rolled up screen into the crack. If it's three quarters of an inch, I push it in. I use my putty knife and I poke it in. And that way, when I put filler into that crack, okay, particularly on a plaster wall where there is wooden lath, those slats running side, running horizontally behind the plaster. Um, the plaster or the patching material will grab that mesh and sit on top of the wood lath and create a really good patch. So again, on a crack that's let's say a quarter of an inch to three quarters of an inch in width, I dig it out, I take fiberglass mesh tape, I stuff that into the crack, and then I take my drywall compound or patching plaster, and I fill that crack with the mesh tape in there. And what that mesh tape does is it adds integrity to the patch. It makes for a stronger patch, and it really works quite well. Now, here's a little trick. When I patch my, my crack um, that's three-quarters of an inch wide uh, or down to a quarter, I don't patch it so that I make it flush and smooth to the surface. I leave that patching material or try to get it to be a little bit behind the surface of the wall. If I do that and let it dry, I can then apply a second coat of patching plaster or compound, the 20-minute compound, over that crack as a finished coat and sand it smooth and have a perfectly uh, restored wall. So that makes a great wall repair. And folks, you're listening to Hands On with Peter Garfinkel. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. AM 97, The Answer. With the nice weather, what returns besides the uh, warm temperatures and the sunshine? Well, summertime, musty odors, mold, dampness in your basement and crawl space. Hi, everybody. This is John Gambling. Moisture from rain, floods, humidity. It nourishes all that nasty stuff, the mold and the dust mites and the pollutants. Well, forget the old dehumidifier that you used to use. Go with something new, the smarter technology, the Wave Moisture Control Unit. It will reduce humidity levels throughout the entire house, creates a healthier environment, and along with the moisture and odors it expels harmful gases, toxins, and radon. A wave is automatically controlled. Forget the buckets of water, the filters, and the costs. Just pennies a day. How do I know? I have one of these units. Get yours. Go to MyDryAir.com. MyDryAir.com. Don't delay. Call Wave now and start making your home drier and healthier. Performance is guaranteed. Go to MyDryAir.com or call 888-985-WAVE. 888-985-WAVE. 
Are you a responsible person who finds yourself growing deeper and deeper in credit card debt and you're not sure how to fix the problem? Then get ready for a toll-free number that will put you on a path to financial recovery. Trinity Debt Management is a nonprofit organization that will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment. Put a stop to late fees and over-limit charges and reduce your interest rates by as much as 60%. You'll save thousands and become debt-free for keeps. It's not a loan. It's a smart way to relieve your stress, meet your obligations, and preserve your self-respect. If your debt has you down, we should talk. Gather up your bills and call this toll-free number for a free, no-obligation debt analysis. 1-800-990-6976. That's 1-800-990-6976. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. Well, folks, we're back. This is Hands On with Peter Garfinkel. There's Happy Saturday. It's going to be hot out there, so stay hydrated. And you can call us here at one 2999 And we have another caller. We have Lisa from New Jersey. Good morning, Lisa from New Jersey. Good morning, Peter. How are you? I'm very well, Lisa. And how may we help you today? Well, I, I live in an old house with plaster walls, and I was really interested in, in your uh, topic today. One question I have is, how do you prevent uh, cracks from developing in the first place? Is there anything that you can do to, to keep them from, from developing? Well, that's a toughie. And, and the reason it's a toughie is because there isn't a whole lot you can do to keep them from developing because the cracks come from the home and settlement and climate changes that take place within the interior of your home from season to season. But the one thing that can help, if it's at all possible, is to keep the home moist inside. And I don't mean soggy or damp, but just, you know, dry air dries will help your house dry out quickly. And if you have an older home and it's very dry, plaster, plaster will develop hairline cracks. But if you have a humidifier, let's say, someplace in your house uh, that can add moisture to the air and keep it from being very dry or in your central air system, that will certainly help. But that's about really all you can do to keep them from developing. But what you can do is, as I mentioned before, and we'll talk about after this call, we'll talk about uh, continuing to repair uh, different types of plaster cracks is just, you know, maintain your walls and, and repair them properly so that the cracks don't come back. Um, and that's it. But unfortunately, in older homes, the wood that was used to frame the home was not dried the way they dry wood today in a kiln. Um, so every time the seasons change, things expand and contract. And often in older homes, a constant complaint I have from people is that my doors don't change, uh, don't close properly, you know, in certain seasons. But when I turn on the heat and the house gets drier in the winter, all the doors work. And then when it gets humid, muggy, the doors don't close. So there's really not a whole lot you can do other than repair them properly. So I don't know if that helps, but that's about it. Does, and you shed some light on why my doors sometimes close and sometimes don't, because oh, okay. that also drives me crazy. So thanks. <laughs> okay, your house is not possessed or haunted. Don't worry. <laughs> well, All right, thanks, Peter. Well, thank you very much for calling in. Keep listening, and thanks. Take care. And, folks, like I said, I do get a lot of calls and a, and, and a lot of letters about fixing plaster walls and, and cracks in walls in general. So uh, our last talk about 
or a comment that I want to make about fixing a plaster wall is when it comes to old, old uh, larger holes. So uh, how do you repair a larger hole? Let's say a hole in the wall that's four inches by eight inches or 12 inches by 15 when you, inches when you live in a home with plaster walls. Well, there are several ways to do this, but uh, as a person that's a purist in a way, I try to repair things the way they were made originally when, when it will work. What I do is I cut out and clean the edges of the opening of the hole. And then in a house with plaster walls, the lath is completely exposed in a larger hole. I will go out and buy a piece of wire mesh. It looks like like mesh. It's a screen. It looks like a screen, but a larger screen, like chicken wire. And this lath helps hold the material that's applied to the top of it because it has a lot of bends and angles and so forth. So it kind of hooks in in the drying process and, and that mesh will help retention so that the patch doesn't come out at all. So I'll go buy a piece of wire lath. I'll then cut it to fit the um, hole opening itself. And when it's on a plaster wall and I have wood lath, I'll take some drywall screws, they're coarse threaded screws, and I'll screw that wire lath to the mesh. And after I've done that, I have a really good surface to apply a patch to because the patch will grab to that mesh and never come out. So then I mix up my, my patching plaster or my quick dry joint compound 20 minute or 40 minute and I fill that hole but again I don't fill it to the point where the filler protrudes or comes out beyond the wall surface itself. I try to keep it a little depressed so that after that dries I can go over it again with a finish coat and sand it and have a very smooth surface so that's what I do. I put in the mesh, I screw it in, I mix my, my plaster, I fill the hole with it, and then I put a top coat in and I have a patch that's perfect. Or another quick repair or way to do this is go get a piece of sheetrock, a half an inch or less, and fill the hole with that and screw that into the wooden lath and then put some joint compound over it, the 20 minute, 40 minute, or, or the, the slower dry one, and, or patching plaster, whatever you want to use, and use that to fill your hole. And, and it will stick to the sheetrock. It'll make a great hole. But you do have sheetrock in your home, then in that hole. And if you're a true purist, you might just want a pure plaster patch. Um, also, in really large openings in plaster, let's say it's more than a foot, if I want to repair it without sheetrock, which normally I do, if I want to restore it to as built condition, I use a product called Structolite, which is a coarse plaster. I use that first. I put in a layer of that, which if you ever saw an older home where it looks like the plaster wall is peeling off the plaster, I know that sounds kind of weird. But there are times where you will see a wall coming off the wall itself, almost like the wall is peeling, like a layer of plaster is peeling off plaster. That's because there were two different types of plaster used, you know, when the house was built maybe in the 20s. They used this product called Structolite, which is grainy like sand, and it's darker in color. And then it dried, and because it was coarse, they were able to put a finished coat of plaster over it that stuck to the surface very well because it was coarse and had some good tooth to it, as they say in the business. And then they sanded the walls smooth and, and had finished walls. 
So that's really it on filling plaster walls. I do want to talk about filling holes in sheetrock walls. And I do want to tell you how to make a speed patch in sheetrock so that you don't have to use screws or tape or anything to do that. Uh, do that, and we'll, we'll get to that next week, folks. But we are running out of time. I do hear the music. So I do want to wish you a very happy weekend. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me in your ear. We're here to serve you, and we'll be back again next week. This is Hands On with Peter Garfinkel. Enjoy. Seven, the answer.